Hello, good evening. Welcome to Behind the Scenes. They call me Stepney and tonight I am joined by James Allen. James, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me on, especially after the uh, the litany of technical issues we've been having in before this recording <laughs> began. So I really appreciate your patience. Thank you. Well, that's what that's what TV is all about, you know, is uh, there are technical difficulties, but we carry on. Um, so, James... I know a little bit about you because we've spoken before and um, I do know who you are and I know a little bit about what you do and stuff like that, but people don't. So for those of you that don't know, are you a 100 meter runner? I am indeed. I, uh, I set the world record back in 1988, but got busted for a positive drug test in Seoul. So um, yeah, I've been living down that litany ever since. But um, of course. <laughs> Yeah, I literally, I, I can't even run to the end of the block without getting out of breath. If that was my job description, I would be pretty poor at that. But um, now I'm a runner in TV, and uh, for the for me, this means like um, doing the tasks that people higher up the food chain just aren't going to be doing: teas and coffee rounds, going on runs, facilitating last minute changes of plans, etc. So it's Joey work as far as I'm concerned. But that's not to that's not to denigrate it at all. It's a crucial part of the production process, but it's very much entry level. And as such, you uh, you know, the shit does roll downhill a little bit in that aspect. So before we go into the role of a runner, tell us a bit about you and your background and how, you, how you've gone from whatever you were doing to where you are now. Okay, well, I've just turned 32 and um, my whole work in life, from leaving school and doing sixth form. Uh, I've just done standard jobs, bartending, shop assistant, delivery driver. I used to be a postman. Um, so long hours, sometimes frustrating environments, high paced, low appreciation, very little scope for going up the ladder unless you want to be a middle manager in those type of environments, which I never really did. So. This became increasingly frustrating for me. So um, with the support and encouragement of my partner, uh, I decided to go back to university, study film and screenwriting at Birmingham City University, and then got a first in that. And then after that, it was like, okay, what do I do now? And the two options were going to teaching, which would have been you know, like a, a good career move, like a professional move, a way to build on my degree. But realistically, as much as I would like to be helping the next generation find their feet in life, I feel like the environment, being around other teachers and marking late into the night and um, conforming to very strict rules and measures, I don't think it would have been very good for my personality. So we decided that I can give it a year or two at making a run at being in TV production. So after I graduated, started applying for jobs and then straight out the gate, I got very lucky. I got a three month contract with a well-known production company. And now I've been getting, you know, dribs and drabs of work and I've been at it nearly a year now and uh, still just about managing to, 
to get a few jobs here and there. So that's that's where I'm at right now. Uh, you know what? That's that's actually it's actually good to get the support because um, not everybody gets it. But you know, it's good that your your partner's giving you the support and says, you know what, take a year, two years, whatever it may be, and and actually try and live your dream because I, I suppose ultimately that's what we all want, isn't it? That's something that yeah. allows I us to to dream. I think without that. I remember the conversation we had and it was just like she was not giving me permission but she was saying you don't have to worry about certain aspects of life you go for what you want to go for and like we're in this together type of thing so that was a like a real crucial turning point in me going whole hog towards making this uh, career a reality and I'm very grateful for that to be honest because I don't I feel like if there were the financial situation was different or the pressure from her was different or something like that. I'd be marking papers right now, feeling miserable instead of talking to you. So, you know, it's, it's worked out for the best. Tell your missus we said thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thank her every day, mate. The dishes are done right now. Everything's cool. Um, so now we know a bit about you and um, your journey to, to starting. Um, what is it you do? Well, so you're a runner. What explain what a runner is and and where you want to take this role? Okay, a runner. What is, is role takes from sorry? Uh, uh, for me, or my my experience so far has been as a runner, you are the bottom rung. You if something needs to be done, they'll send a runner. So for instance, I was on uh, Anton Dex Saturday night takeaway in Birmingham a few weeks ago. And the set, because it was on a main road in Birmingham, was receiving a lot of attention from very early in the day. Now, the whole point of the segment was that it stays secret until relatively late and then people rush towards it. But that was not the case. So you have to do a little bit of crowd control, have to liaise with security, have to liaise with your production manager. You have to kind of be everywhere that you, not everywhere all at once, but there can be a lot of running around and is that done? Is that done? Is that done? Department to department to department, passing on messages, carrying equipment, dealing with members of the public, etc. So it can be a lot of uh, something needs to be done. You do it now. That's the quickest way I can, I can tell you. Really. So how do you train for that? I mean, it's when you come out of university they just go right you're just going to run around and that's and when you get on set you go what do i do and they just say run you know it's um i gotta say the the course that i went on film and screenwriting it was and i'm quite grateful for this because i i enjoyed this aspect of the course it was just about screenwriting really and formatting and you know watching a few like wicked films on a thursday afternoon in terms of the practical preparation for being on set and in terms of even networking your way into that scenario, it didn't really prepare me for what I was supposed to be doing. Now I'm 32, so I'm probably about 10 years older than a lot of the runners I've met so far. Now on one hand that can be like, okay, I'm starting at the beginning now. I'm surrounded by people who are, you know, I wouldn't have been chilling with them at school, basically. So you, you can feel a little bit alienated on that level. But the advantage of that is that I've had loads of work experience in the real world, quote unquote. So 
if I go on set and someone says do this, well, it's it, it doesn't really fluster me because every single job I've ever had has been an iteration or a version of just do this thing for a bit and then do something else. It's not, you know, it doesn't require, so like if you're an editor or like a sound guy, that's quite specific technical knowledge where if you're a runner, it's good because it's, you know, low skilled. You just need experience on set. And the more experience you get on set, then it becomes more of a specialized thing. So I think if I'm right in saying then you've, your life experiences so far have probably given you an advantage over some, probably some of the newer ones coming in, some of the younger ones coming in? Potentially, but in one way, yes, and in others, no, because um, the first job I got out of uni, there was a lot of heavy lifting and a lot of like actual graft. So I've done plenty of that. It's not a problem for me, but you might have uh, a 20-year-old girl who woman 20 year old woman who hasn't had to carry you know sacks of mail and parcels for six hours at a time like you know what i mean or you know drive delivery vans or carry stacks it's just a different set of life experiences where if you put the person who lacks my experience you put her in the art department and you know she has to do a certain set of jobs there i would be completely out of my depth where she would fly through that. So it all depends on what's required on each job and, you know, who's put in what department. And um, so you, you you did film writing, I guess, and screenwriting. Um, yeah. is, is that ultimately where you want to go? Is that is that the goal for you? That is the goal, yeah. So um, I'm planning to go up the editorial chain of command. Like, uh, so, from, so from runner... Um, graduate to researcher, potentially up to story producer, up to writer, etc., etc. But I'm I'm happy to um to take a take a few left turns here and there. I want to get as much experience as possible, really. And um, you know, it's more strings to your bow at the end of the day. More things for the CV. And are you currently writing? Do you currently have something written that you that you'd like to get out there, or is it? Oh yeah, I write every day. So I've got like um. I'd say about 12, 13 fully like, finished screenplays, all at various stages of drafting and redrafting. But um, it's a rare day that goes past if I don't do at least a page on a screenplay, pretty much. And are these for like films, TV shows, theatre? Uh, film and TV shows. So I'll do feature films and then I'll do pilots and then I'll try and write an outline for pilots across say eight to 12 episodes where I think it might go, where the character arcs might be, but I'll have the pilot written like in like fully fleshed out. I mean, yeah, I mean, sure. It sounds like you've got some, uh, a good plan in head, um, ahead. Um, what do you think of the industry? So now, you, now, you, now you've sort of got into it. What do you think of the industry? Well, if I was, if I was going to judge my experiences, just by from what I've experienced, it's been fantastic, really. Like I have, there have been very minor annoyances, and that's it. Uh, whereas I've spoken to people who have worked in TV, and they've had horror stories, like people screaming in their faces, like fully disrespecting them, like heart, heart, bullying them. Really, I've never experienced anything like that, and I don't know if it's because 
maybe I don't know. I don't know if it's the vibe I put out or the production companies I'm working with or just the individuals that I've met. Maybe I've just got really lucky. Maybe my next job will be a complete nightmare. But so far, so good. It's been really positive. And if, in terms of where you're, where you're trying to position yourself uh, to go, um, you said research is probably the next the next step for you, unless there's another left turn that that sort of bypasses that or something like that. Um, how does the in, how does being in the industry get you to that stage? I mean, is it just you go right? I've been doing this for I've been a runner for a year, so now I'm a researcher, or, or is it you're doing the running stuff now and you're also applying for research and stuff how does it, well, on my, how does it on the first job, I was lucky enough to work quite closely with the researcher for an extended period of time so I got quite a lot of second-hand experience in terms of what's required of a researcher now that doesn't necessarily qualify you to be a researcher because researcher is almost it's a step up the ladder but it's so much more responsibility than being a runner. There's so much more admin to keep track of, so many more personalities you have to deal with, so many, there just, there's just so much more responsibility. And your status and your, say like your rise in status doesn't necessarily correspond with the rise in responsibilities that you take on. So it's a necessary step as far as I can understand but it's one that I'm not really looking forward to, if I'm being completely honest. It, it's a necessary evil on the way to the eventual goal. It's it's it's, it's funny to hear that because um, I haven't had any researchers on my show yet, um, so it's 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 good to hear that side of things. And it, it's quite surprising because you hear the word research and you think that is more, as you say, more admin type stuff, but not actually dealing with people. So to hear that they're dealing with people and and dealing with different egos and personalities and stuff like that is 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 an interesting one. Uh, what sort of have you had any sort of? You said you had like a little bit of experience with just working with someone. Um, it, and I know you, it sounds like it's not something that you want to do, but it's a necessary step. So yeah, I mean uh the the researcher that i'm thinking of at the moment she was she was great she was so accommodating she would give you help advice um she, she would she would want to do everything herself and i would say i can do i can help little bits and bobs here and there but she was like so conscientious and detail orientated that the more i was thinking that's the route i need to go down the more i was thinking i'm not personality wise i might not be the best equipped for that and if anyone's watching this, I might be talking myself out of a job here, but I'm extremely hard, I'm extremely hard working, so I'll work my I'll work my head around it. But yeah, it's a lot a lot of admin and organisation. So yeah, we'll see we'll see how it goes. And in terms of applying for jobs, I'm not really sure. Like junior researcher, it's not quite entry level, but it is if you're a researcher. And I think the researcher role differs from production to production as well. So different different companies want different things from their researchers so it's a bit i'm still trying to figure it out myself at the minute this is this is crazy because the key thing there is every company every production company the role is different yeah so you, you could be going for something and it's not exactly what you were expecting it's it's, it's a different role basically well it, there'll, there'll be certain commonalities i imagine but Another thing about TV that I'm beginning to understand is uh, it's 
maybe nepotistic or being in like a nepotism based industry maybe that's too strong but it seems like quite a small world and it seems like recommendations are worth more than cvs if that makes any sense so yeah if you're a researcher and you've done a good job and the person above you recommends you yeah okay you might have been doing a slightly different job somewhere else but a recommendation will at least get you the zoom interview that could eventually lead to your job if you make a good impression so you know you know that that's that's again another key thing is um I found that the industry is very, very much about not not always about your uh, ability or talents. It was it was a lot of times it's more about who you know and 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 getting that getting that leg up over 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 somebody that might have more talent or experience. Well, so networking is, is key. Networking is key. But when I was at university and my lecturer used to say to me, oh, network, you're going to have to network, you're going to have to do this, you're going to have to have conversations. It turned my stomach because I don't want to be pressing people for, oh, give me something if I'm talking to them. I really don't like that aspect of, you know, quote unquote networking. I was very fortunate to get my first job through a, a resource called Talent Manager. I don't know if your listeners will be aware of that, but it's just a hub for production companies to post job opportunities and for you to network with other industry professionals. It's been really helpful and really handy for me in terms of looking for roles. So I got my first job through that. And when I got onto set, people were like, oh, who do you who do you know? How did you get hired here? I was like, this is my first job in TV. And they were like, what? I said, yeah, it's through talent manager. And they went, it's so good to know that those things work. And I was like, what? No one thinks they work. Like, have I just been spinning my wheels? Did I literally just like catch lightning in a bottle on talent manager? So yeah, yeah, it was interesting for sure. It's it is because there'll be obviously people watching this and uh, like you starting off and trying to wonder how they get that that foot in and those sort of connections. So um, it's good to put in a pro tip there for for the listeners and uh, for people that are joining joining you on your journney as a as a runner. You say involved. They should join the Facebook groups as well, like and try and get added to a WhatsApp group because those things they that I see more jobs posted in those areas than anywhere else, really. So that's that's a pro tip number two for the interview. See, social media um has played a big part in the industry, I guess, in, in especially in recent years, in terms of how jobs are posted, how people are contacted, how, how jobs are shared, and um, uh, even even just this, for example, it's, most of this stuff has come from a Facebook page, uh, a Twitter post, or uh, you know, and just trying to connect with people, just putting putting it out there, really, and just trying to get people to to, to take the bite. Yeah, that's the one. I don't know how you would have got into the industry, like. 25 years ago I, w- I, I would have given it a couple of months and then just thought forget this I just would have went back to being a postman because it would have been such a closed shop you know now it, it's still it's still closed but at least you have like as you say you can take a few little nibbles you can you can email companies you can get on a whatsapp group you can dm someone it's uh it's a little bit more encouraging when you have these resources open to you for sure okay so um what's it like being on set it's um it's it's peculiar really because sometimes there are long stretches when you don't have to do anything but you have to be prepared so like 
jump into action. So there are look, sometimes hours can go by and there's not much to do. But as a runner, you don't want to just be standing there doing nothing, looking at your phone. You want to be conscientious and proactive. That's a word you'll hear a lot if you're applying for runner jobs. We want someone that's proactive. The downside to being proactive is you really start pissing people off. If you if you come come around every 15 minutes, do you want a tea, coffee? Do you want a bag of crisps? They're like, nah, we're, we're rigging this light here. Do you want to give us a bit of space? You know what I mean? Like, it's you know when you're irritating people. So doing things like that, like taking care of the crew or, or the talent, set a reasonable time frame. Just think, okay, I'll ask them now. So I'm going to ask them in 45 minutes or something. And other proactive things, ask your production manager, ask your line manager. Or if you want to stay out of their way completely, if you don't want to be a nuisance, ask a runner who's more experienced or more senior than you and just stick to them. You know, so you're not, you're not going to be standing around doing nothing. So being on set is like, it can be quite um, a self-conscious experience. You kind of want to blend in and stand out at the same time. You want to get recommended for a job or brought back on another production, but you don't want to be getting in the way. That's been, that's been my experience so far. So you talked about a couple of things there, and these are obviously things that you've learned on set. What other things have you learned? Uh, be ready to say yes. Like, if the, even if it's something you're not quite sure of, just say, if you're not sure of it, just ask them to tell you exactly how to do a job and then just do it. Like, don't go, mm, I'm not sure about that. Oh, don't. Because then they'll just pass it off to another runner and then they'll just be annoyed with you. Just say, I haven't done, if you haven't done something before, just say you haven't done it and then just do it to the best of your ability because it's better that than you just shine away because people don't tend to like that because it's quite a fast-paced environment and stuff needs to get done to a certain time. So if you can't get your ass into gear at a quick time, then you're just going to be, you know, it's going to be dead weight, really, and no one's going to respect you on the set. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting one because I always tell the kids, um, if you don't know something, you ask. Yeah, and sure. um, you ask if, as they explain it. You want them to be specific to to what it is, and again, if they if they said something in a way that you don't understand, because you know we were talking earlier about the different language that is used on set, and um, it is just a case of going explain how you want it done and, and then I can do it. And you, you do need to ask those questions, I guess. Yeah. I mean, also there's, there's loads of different ways Like some people are quite shy naturally. Like when I first meet people, I'm a bit, you know, standoffish, but by the time you, time you get moving through the set, you, you do become a bit more lubricated to the situation. So you can be like, okay, if you don't understand something, say, sorry, I'm being a bit slow. Like you can make a little joke out of it or, just to ease it through a little bit. But the main thing is you get the job done and they know that they can come back to you and ask you to do something again. And that's how you'll get recommended for other jobs or how you'll get a, a good reference. So in your short time, um, just being a runner, um, who have you worked with that has really surprised you? Ooh. It, it doesn't have to be someone famous. It could be, you know, you could go, it was lighting guy pete or yeah. uh you know director and i don't know i would say um well the uh, the researcher i worked with that i mentioned I, i'll shout out her first name just in case uh, her name's hannah 
and she was working with me on the great pottery throwdown and she was just exemplary like so much help so kind patient and all that and it, she just made my life a lot easier on my first tv job and um she gave me a lot of good advice that i've been acted and gone on to you know reap rewards um similarly um she was the production manager on the same set her name's uh, scarlett lindsay and i've i've only had maybe one or two other like bosses in my life where i thought oh they're okay i've usually detested every boss i've ever had she was a joy to work for and um Honestly, yeah, honest to God, she was tremendous. I would go back and work for them in a heartbeat because same thing, like, if you don't know something, you could ask her, or if you're being a bit thick, you know, you could you could say to her, like, I don't understand. And she'd be like, listen, it's fine. Not everyone knows everything. And she'd take all the, all the time in the world, like, even in a fast-paced environment like that, she made it seem like you've got 20 minutes to talk a problem through, and it just put you at ease, like, really relaxed, especially in your first job. Do you know what I mean? That was an invaluable experience. So yeah, very grateful to those two people. There was probably several others, but they, those two stick out. That's good. Um, yeah. As you said, it's invaluable to get that sort of time and um, that sort of level of somebody going, it's okay. Don't worry about it. And that understanding basically, you know, that's what, that's, whether you're new to the game or experience, as you say, every person, every production, every, set you're on is always going to be that little bit different and um how people speak is always going to be a little bit different as well and it, it is nice to just for somebody just to go it's okay you know we, we've got this and we're, we're working with on this together so this is how we are uh, are going to work this is what i need you to do um if you understand let's go and let's crack on yeah it's absolutely brilliant because i'm the type of person where if i would have got a negative vibe within like the first two days of being on set, I would have hated the whole time. Like it would have just been an uphill battle. And immediately, like I, um, we did, the first thing we did was the rig. And that is taking all the equipment and all the stuff you need to make a TV show from one location to another. And it is an absolute ball ache. And it's heavy lifting, it's long hours. It's like stressful you're sweating you're trying to cooperate with people you've never met before it can really wear on the nerves and she even from then she was just like set a really nice tone real friendly let's just get this done positive affirmations all that good stuff so yeah if uh, there are any production managers out there listening just be nice to people man you'll get much better results <laughs> <laughs> be kind um, yeah. it's it's again it's 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 an interesting one because all the things that you've talked about um, are genuinely experiences that pretty much everybody would have experienced at some point um, throughout their throughout their own journey. Whether it's you're starting off as an actor, you're starting off as a director, um, because you are you're finding your way, and you, you've got a crew that you've got to work with, and you've got to find the best way to work work with that crew. So, um, yeah, lots of the stuff that you would have been doing as a runner. Is when as you as you progress in your career, you'll be able to use those experiences to to help others, and that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, definitely will be doing that. I won't be cold shouldering anyone on set because I remember how awkward I felt my first day. It's not happening. I'm being cool to everyone. I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, in your short experience, <clears throat> so I've, I've got hay fever, so I sound a bit a bit a bit rough. No, you're good, you're good. 
Um, but in your in your short experience, what do you think the industry needs to improve? Or how should it improve? Maybe a sometimes you get one message or you get one instruction from one one senior member of staff, and then quite soon after, you can get a contradictory piece of like a, an instruction or advice from another senior member of staff. And if first of all, you're not going to tell either of them that you're not going to do it, or so and so said you couldn't do that with attitude. So there are ways to kind of finesse that situation to find out what really takes priority, but. Sometimes that can happen all at once and you kind of have to decide for yourself what takes priority. Now, sometimes you get lucky and it works out fine and you get a pat on the back. Other times they'll ask you, like, why didn't you do what I asked you? So in that sense, I feel like a, a clearer chain of command would be a little bit more beneficial. But maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just something that's confusing to me. Um, other times... Um, you know, I was just about to complain about food, but 90% of the jobs I've worked on have been really well fed. The the uh, the Ant and Deck one, I had, a, I had a, a turkey sandwich and a potato salad before I even did any work. They sat me down, they fed me straight away. I got a full Toby's larvae later on. So, yeah, I am not can't really complain. Only one job I was feeling a bit hungry on, but I won't uh, name any names because that's a bit harsh. And I'm, I might want to work from again in the future. <laughs> I'll bring you back lunch there next time. It's 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 interesting because again the the first thing you, you were talking about is that that chain of command when people are talking to you. Um, I've experienced it. I've I've seen my daughter experience it, um, and you'd think for the type of industry that it is, that communication is key. You know that 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 the way the way is. It's a, it's a talking industry, you know, everybody's communicating. But yeah, proper chain of command sometimes when it comes to different things and what, what you should be doing is, is an important one. Yeah, because you might have um, so like three people in the production office and they're all pretty senior and they're like one, two, and three. But if you get conflicting messages and they're not all together and they can't sort it out between themselves in a way that you understand what takes precedence, then... Yeah, you, you literally just have to do what you're told and hope for the best. But again, there are situations where you can work it out for yourself. And after, especially if you're on a long-term job, like if you're on a job for several months or, you know, a, a good few weeks, I feel like that's also part of your responsibility as a runner to prioritise things and understand what goes first and what goes second. So it's not just, you know, the production staff's fault or their responsibility it's also on the runner depending on how long they're there yeah obviously if you're just working for a day you do need to be told but longest in jobs I, I do think that's uh that's our responsibility too yeah i mean look it's it, it's it's everybody's responsibility communication is um it doesn't stop with just the runner and uh, it, it starts it starts from both ends and sort of meets yeah. in the middle if you know what i mean and um it's like I said, this is one of those things where I've I've worked in a lot of industries, um, like yourself, different types of jobs and stuff like that, where um, communication is is definitely always key because you've got to know how to speak to people, you've got to know how to understand situations. Um, you know, one of the jobs I had, and it was everything was safety critical. So um, in, the information and the comments you give on on the radio, for example, um, if it's not clear, you just say it's not clear. Please repeat. And then you repeat it back to them so that 
they know that you've understood the instruction and then you go and carry out that task um but yeah you got it's 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 a it's a tough one it's, it is it is a tough one and um that's that's probably an area that the industry does need to improve on um but you know there's there's loads of other areas of improvements with, with everything and as you said before each each set each production is is different from the other um What's been your longest shooting day? What's what's been your longest the, your longest day on set? Uh, on set, um, be about twelve hours or something like that. Like nothing too mad. I mean, like that. Obviously, that's a long day, but uh, I've worked longer bar shifts. I'll put it that way. Like I've worked. <laughs> I've worked a fifteen-hour St. Patrick's Day shift once, and that was hell. So, in terms of being on set and being ready to go and perhaps not taking as many breaks as you should because things have to get done on the day, then, yeah, probably about 12, 12, 13 hours, something like that. And let's flip it, the shortest that you've done. Well, well, I think there's a difference between, like, you know, your set shift and the amount of work you actually do as well. Like, I've had a job recently where the, the shift was eight hours but the amount of work I did was not eight hours. And that's not for lack of trying either. There was just, when I got there, there was four empty hours. And they, I asked everybody I could ask. And they were saying, look, it's fine. Just, you know, you can you can help out with whatever you need to help out with, but you need to be ready at this time. As long as you're ready at this time and you know what you need to do and you know what your responsibilities are and you move quickly, that's fine by us. So I was I was happy enough. I knew where I stood and that, I was cool with that. It's long, long, long days. I mean, I've had some long ones back in the past, and um, yeah, they do kill you. yeah, uh, you know, getting onto set for getting to set. You know what? I'm going to take this question off for a second because that's, that's 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 another one. Getting to set is can be difficult if you a don't drive yeah. or b do drive but don't have a car. Um, yeah. So I remember going to set on one thing. Um, and we had to be in Blenheim Palace for, I don't know, I think it was 5 a.m., something like that, because um, we had to get costume on and all that sort of stuff. And then, because uh, it was summerish sort of time, so there was long filming hours. Um, so we weren't finishing until about seven, six, seven at night. So as a, as a, it's a good payday, you know, you go, great, that's a, that's a good one to have. Um, but then, you had to get back home from Blenheim Palace, and they'll, you know the coach will talk you into Central London. You got back home. Some people stayed nearby, um, but then you had to keep doing that journey for three weeks. And you, see, you know, it's it's how how is that? Do you drive? Uh, I do drive, and uh, my partner and I share a car, so I'm very very lucky on that level because there aren't a, a lot of productions that come to the Midlands area, which is where I'm based. So yeah, without the car. I would be, I would have had less jobs. Let's put it that way. I mean, the first job I had with uh, with Love Productions, they were happy to, you know, it was a four on, four days on, three days off for 12 weeks. So to them, you can catch the train as long as you're there by 10 a.m. on day one. And, you know, you can catch the train back or whatever. Um, yeah, so that, that was a pretty forgiving situation. But other jobs I've had, it, it's been having a car was, has been completely necessary. Like, I don't know how people do without a car, really. It's, it's diff- I guess it's different in London because um, 
most places you can get to by public transport to be perfectly fair um and even if uh, i've done i've done somewhere where i said i had to get a night bus to somewhere and then get that first train into the station that comes in and then take that out to like i think it was shepparton or something like that so it, it can be it can be a struggle but it can be done um it's different for people like makeup artists and people that have to take equipment with them because yeah, um, yeah. they, they all drive <laughs> yeah i suppose in london as well like because so many production houses are based in London, and like you say, the the, uh, the transport links are just so comprehensive. You can get to where you need to go to, but if you're outside of that, or even moving to London and dealing with that, would just be like a massive headache. Do you know what I mean? Even if you went down there for and stayed with a friend for a month, and just to get on a job, like doing that every day, like doing two hours commute in the morning, doing a 13, 14 hour day, then doing two hours a night, like. When are you going to sleep? When are you going to eat? That will quickly become like a real slog. So, yeah, I don't envy See, anyone in that position. That's that's the thing that um, I was talking to somebody else on, a, on, a, on another on another show about. And I said, um, people don't realise it's a lot of hours sometimes. And it's not just the hours on set. Like, so you, you do a 12-hour 12 12-hour 12 shift on set. And people go, okay, that's not bad. I'll do a 12-hour shift at, you know, doing this job and that job. And you go, okay, that's fine. Um, but it it is, it, it's it's sometimes your commute to that job. You know, you have to drive an hour, an hour and a half to that job, an hour, an hour and a half back. When you when you actually get home, it's another couple of hours to just unwind. And then you unwind and sort of, you know, start relaxing. And then you start thinking about going to sleep and you're trying to sleep, especially those first Especially always your first day. Your first day is always the worst one. And you have to sort of, you're sort of just awake, but not awake, but just awake enough to that you don't fall asleep and you wake up really tired. Um, people don't, people don't, I don't think they understand how difficult it can be because it's it's a lot of standing around a lot of the time and um, you're not moving around a lot of the time and people people might not understand that. Yeah, like it's a it's a calorie burner for real, like being a runner. Or maybe that's why they called it that. But again, like that was every job I ever had. So although of course I get tired like everyone else, but like I was a postman for two years and like doing those kind of miles, it like really stands you in good stead for a job like this. So there, there were times when I've been on set and people are like leaning up the wall, just like holding their backs and that, and I'm thinking, Oh, I'm not doing too bad here. They look like they're dead on their feet. I'm I'm not too bad at the minute, so it's all good. Um, just get, get in. Are you a shorts person in winter? Yes, I wear shorts any given any given opportunity. <laughs> Even now, is, post post the uh, Royal Mail, I am still a shorts person in winter. There's always one person, at least one person on set. No matter how cold it is, it could be minus fifty out there, and they've got shorts on, and you just go, "What? How do you not feel that?" And they're just, like, "Yeah, it's fine." Because you might be outside for a bit, but then as soon as I go inside, I'm just like peeling off layers. I don't deal with the heat very well, so I'd much rather take a bit of a chill. <laughs> uh, I like the heat. I don't. I don't like the cold. Um, so, so far, your experiences have been um, positive, which is fantastic. And you know, thank you to everybody that has has, has provided you with those positive experiences. Would you recommend this industry? to others to try and get into? I would say that's very much dependent on your personality and your situation. Like, as I iterated at the top of the show, like I've had the support 
and I've got the situation that's enabled me to go after these opportunities as a freelancer. You know, if I had, let's just say I was a single parent and I was renting accommodation and, you know, I had more bills to pay, I had food to sort out, I had school runs to go on, this would not be a viable career path for me. So it really depends on your situation and your personality. Like, there's no reason why anyone can't start being a runner or get into TV if their situation lends to it. But you really have to ask yourself how, well, you know, are you able to do it first and foremost? Because everyone needs to eat, everyone needs to, you know, stay warm and all that good stuff. So take those into account first and then see where you can go. In terms of like the, the job experience and all that, again, I can only speak for myself. It's a sweet job. Like, it's a lot, there's a lot less of the regular job bullshit, you know what I mean, that, that goes into this. It's very much like, um, it, it, it's very informal the way people speak to each other and the way things get done, which really appeals to me as a person. Whereas, you know, if you work in a, I used to work in a, in a well known shoe store and it was like, super like regimented and you know <laughs> it was it was not good not fun place to be at all so if you i like that about tv so if you're that kind of personality as well yeah i'd recommend it but again it starts off with can you pay the bills can you survive and you know make your decision from there yeah it's it's the, the i think I, I think that's what sometimes turns uh some people off when they <clears throat> when they find out that um, yeah, your first couple of jobs, you might not get paid. Um, you just do it for the experience. And as you said, if you don't have that support network and you, you, you can't afford it, it's not it's not always viable. Well, the thing is, I don't think I'd be taking any unpaid jobs, full stop. You know, like, it's good. Like, work experience is something you do at school, isn't it? Like, if you're, if you're over 18 and you're, or even if you're over 16, you should be getting paid for your time. Right. And if someone doesn't pay you, that's like, that's not on really. Unless you know that going into it, unless you, like they say to you, this is an unpaid thing and you're okay with that, then that's kind of up to you. But I wouldn't be taking any opportunities like that. Not really. See, I guess it's different for, for a runner than it is for, say, an actor, makeup artist or, or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, um, that is different because you're, like, you're, a, you're on screen. That's your profile. That's like... It's completely different. Like if you see, uh, you might see my name on a show that I've worked for, but those are just letters assembled on the screen. Like you'd have no idea like who I am, what I look like, what I'm contributing to the show. Whereas if you're on screen, even if you're an extra, people can get a sense of what you're contributing to the show. So that's worth a lot more. Do you understand what I mean? Like uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I think if I was an actor, if I if I was talent, and I was at the beginning of my journey, I'd have a different attitude. But at the end of the day, I'm making teas and coffees and carrying heavy things upstairs. So I'm looking to get paid, really. <laughs> you know, what? it'll be interesting when you when you start doing your own your own your own work and you're producing your own stuff and you're going to go. Yeah, I need people to work for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, potentially. Yeah, yeah, I might. Uh, yeah, I might have a completely different attitude at that point. But uh, yeah, I, I understand that there are a lot of um, people who are just starting out on doing their own productions and stuff. Of course, man, that must be like, I can't even imagine how difficult that is, like sorting things out on a shoestring budget and getting something from through the production stage to the final piece with like hardly any money at all. Like I really wouldn't even know how to start with that. So yeah, I've got all the sympathy and admiration in the world for those people, but 
yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be going in that direction anyway, so I might just leave that to them. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it's like I said, it's it's a it's a difficult one. I mean, the industry as a whole, um, yeah, you do find that uh, short things like short films, for example, and and you say the small productions and stuff like that is um, they're heavily reliant on things like funding and uh, and and people just wanting to. A, get experience, B, to top up their experience and get some screen time, especially for your actors and people like that. Um, makeup artists and costume. Uh, again, it's, it's especially when you're starting out, it's all experience and you sort of have to get those experiences um, under your belt, if you see what I mean. So, yeah, it's, it, it is different. It is different, I guess, when it's different roles. Yeah, for sure. Like, especially, like, for talent as well. Like, that's just such a, it's just a more daunting prospect, isn't it? Like being in front of camera and doing retakes and learning lines and doing the costumes and doing the makeup. And it's a, it, even before you get to being on screen or performing, there's so much build up and preparation and pressure. And yeah, I, I don't envy people in that position, to be honest. What, what sort of challenges are you expecting? Um, as, as, you, as you go through this this process, um, I try not to think about that. I just try and keep putting one foot in front of the other and take a day at a time because anticipation, for, for me, can lend itself to kind of procrastination in a way. Like I don't want to deal with that because so and so might say this or that. And in the end, it's it's not even reality. So I could talk myself out of doing my best job possible if I start trying to anticipate problems with people in the future. I've tried my very best to just tackle each problem as it comes. But in terms of my eventual goals, it's going to be a real struggle to get into a writer's room. It's going to be that's going to be really difficult because that is like who accepts unsolicited works? No one. Like, how do you get into that room in the first place? Do you, do you do like minutes for a meeting? Do you do you have to be someone's PA? Do you have to, well, knowing someone would help, but you have to be bankable in terms of your writing ability and what you can bring to a studio. Is this going to be profitable, basically? But how do you prove that to someone without having ever proven that in the first place? So that's going to be the main struggle. I feel I feel like I'll be able to get up to a certain point, and that will be the main hurdle generally. It's it's uh, the reason why I asked that is because it is an interesting one, and um, for a lot of people, regardless of the role that they're in, um, it's going getting from here to here. That that, that there needs to be the big leap, and um, it's. And we talked about it earlier, obviously. It's about who you know sometimes and, and not about your actual talent or ability. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll sort of just go with this one um, just so you can see where I've gone um, and my thinking behind it. And should we have... Uh, I know some channels like BBC and Channel 4 and even ITV to an extent, and some of your networking sites um, like Netflix and all those others, um, I know they have opportunities for people to to put forward their stuff. I still think a lot of it is not luck. Um, it's it's yeah. it's not luck that those people are 
are, are putting out pilots and stuff like that. Um, should we have a small screen channel here in the UK? Uh, what do you mean by a small screen channel? So a channel that that gives people the opportunity to put out their work, um, and you know, we'll 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 fund it so that people are are paid to put out their work almost like what so i've always said that um over here we should have pilot week in america they have pilot week okay, okay. so that's where they put uh, people put their pilots out to networks and that's why sometimes when you watch an american show is um you watch the first episode and it will say pilot yeah. and then the second episode or whatever it is everybody's got different hair everybody's looking different <laughs> and stuff like that um and it's something that it it makes sense because if the pilot is well regarded and you know like i said it's funded pilots it's not just like people putting stuff off their own backs and stuff like that it's 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 you know a funded pilot um and that way if it's well received and you you get you get that first season or you get that you, you get that go to make a film and whatever else um so that's what i mean should we have a channel a, a more dedicated channel to to give those opportunities and you know it should should it be funded you know that would be class to be fair because like, right now it's a bit of a closed shop in terms of you've got a bunch of you well you've got writers and tv executives that come up with ideas and then they decide okay this might work or you might be working with a proven you know director writer etc then they're just kind of guessing based on their experience valid as that may be that this will hit but you get loads of shows on loads of films from credible people that for whatever reason don't hit even when they use like focus groups etc to kind of really hone in on what people are looking for so that's the best way you could do it and it have a channel dedicated to those type of things like I, I wish there was more experimental stuff on tv now like there used to be a show called monkey dust back in the day on bbc3 like this animated thing and it was really off the wall and i i watch random episodes now and again and first of all, I think, how did this make it onto TV? And secondly, I think it, that would never make it onto TV now. Never. I don't know who the guy was that came up with it or who he knew or how he got it through the BBC filter system. But that would never fly now. But if one of those episodes was exposed to people kind of as it's, as an independent thing, alongside other pieces that were independent and you know you can kind of judge them on their merit rather than what company they're attached to, what director put it out there, what actors are involved. I think you'd have a bit more of a meritocracy going on and people would, you know, the quality would really rise to the top. But I feel like that's a sick idea. I've never really thought about that, to be honest. I've had it for years and it's, like I said, it's, it's me, I like improvement. I like, I like to improve things. I like to make things better. And um, by making things better, it, it doesn't only really make it better for me as somebody that's watching it. Um, it makes it better for those that are actually uh, doing the work behind it. And the idea behind it is just to go. There's so much good stuff. Unfortunately, as you know, as you touched on, there is they have to make a decision on what is going to be profitable. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it is those most randomest of shows like Monkey Dust that that are just just profitable because it's 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 so offbeat it's so off the wall um but you tend to find that a lot of the stuff that gets put out um is is sort of the same as stuff that's already out there so there's there's, there's minimum risk being taken that's the thing really... you've hit the nail on the head you've hit the nail on the head like it's it's bankable it's replicatable it's worked before let's do it again 
But try explaining a show like uh, The Mighty Boosh. Like, could you ever pitch that to anyone and be like, oh, this people will love this for decades to come? You'd get laughed out of the room. But it's, you know, it's it's like a trademark of modern British TV. But I don't know. It's, I don't know. The Mighty Boosh is, um, is a quality example because, um, especially with comedies, BBC used to put a lot of their comedies on radio. So I heard The Mighty Boosh on radio first. Oh, before the, before the TV series, and it's actually fun. It's actually funny on radio. So if you get a chance, listen listen to old Mighty Boosh radio things, and it's funny. Same as Little um, Little Britain when that when that first came out. As I heard it on radio first, and um, the Pete Waterman bit used to be a telephone call, and the you know okay. it, it was just hilarious because you'd be like the phone would go ruler, and he'd be like, no, Dennis, it's me. Oh. <laughs> You got a job uh, in Blackpool. Well, me and Ruler went to Blackpool. <laughs> we had candy. <laughs> so it, it, it can work um, for for certain things like the radio, the radio in. But again, I, I won't lie to you. A lot of these things, a lot of these things, are from people that are well connected. So um, yeah. it, the radio is just the first in, and then you know that works with comedy, but it doesn't always work with other stuff. And yeah, I could, I've I've always just thought that to get more people uh, more choice in what they're viewing, that that's the best way forward. But you know, what do I know? The thing is as well, like the um the whole idea of a TV channel now, it's almost like we're already past that. It's like people have the opportunity to put things out on YouTube or other streaming services that you know haven't quite monopolize that side of uh internet broadcasting to the same extent but again like even that's kind of tailored towards the bigger channels the bigger content producers like that i'm not sure how the ad revenue works but i know for a fact that i get a lot of stuff that comes up on my youtube feed that i'm not interested in and i never have been interested in so why does it keep flashing up so yeah it's it's been monopolized in its own way i still feel like you, if you've got the technical know-how and the, the ambition, you can put things out on streaming sites, but then it's like, who's going to take you seriously if you've just put a YouTube thing, unless it goes viral. And, you know, going viral nowadays, you can buy that. So what's that really worth? You know? Yeah. It's, um, yeah. That's, that's the thing. And that's what, like I said, it's, it's a frustrating thing for somebody like me who, um, just wants people to be interested in what I'm doing. Um, it's a frustrating thing for um, people that put, like yourself, that will write something. You just want people to be interested in, in what you're doing. And then you get other people that they, you know, your your influencers now, and, you know, no, there's no, no discredit to them, but um, a lot of their influence has been paid for um, in terms yeah. of, you know, how many hundreds of thousands of followers they've got. Because um, when it comes to, comments and you know messages on their posts you've got 150,000 followers but these seven people have have commented on your post that that, that that doesn't make sense those are those those are bots um like i said is i i, I prefer the organic because in that way i know that what i'm doing is is something that people want want to hear and want to want to want to see and like i said that that was my whole thinking behind it you know um, a small screen, and again, I call it small screen. It's it's open to um, putting out TV shows. It's open to putting out films. 
I'm hoping to put it out short films because I, I do like a good short film as well because sometimes you can say all you need to say in, in three or four minutes of of a yeah, short film, sure. 10 to 15, 20 minutes of a short film instead of, you know, two hours, uh, an epic an epic thing. So, yeah, it's 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 an interesting one and um, you never know. I might be down that road one day. Well, I was about to say, like, have you ever thought about starting your own, starting your own thing, be it on YouTube, be it from your own kind of service? Have you ever thought of creating a resource like that? Because I feel like that would be, you know, quite popular with creators, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, my, my thoughts, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm an ideas person. I've, I've, I always get ideas. And um, I had the idea for it, like I said, years ago. And um, the difficulty with putting it on something like YouTube is lots of it will still get lost, if you know what I mean. Um, whereas if you had, if I had like a, a my own dedicated channel, um, then I could say, yes, this is, this is how it would be. And, you know, you go like Mondays, you've got seven days to sort of plan everything and you, you get all the content from people as they come in and, um, you get interactions from people by saying, um, did it work? Um, how did you feel about it? That sort of thing. Once you get those sort of reactions, and then hopefully, what you'd want from there is for that to either go on and uh, be funded on one of your mainstream channels or whatever, or you know, make enough money that I could fund it myself. But it's 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 a it's a difficult it's a difficult balance. And again, it, it's probably one that I need a billionaire backer to <laughs> to help me out with. Yeah, get Elon on the blower, man. He'll sort you out. No worries. He's got the billions <laughs> to spare. Yeah, Linda, seven. <laughs> um, before we end, um, is there anybody that you would like to interview? Who would, who would you interview if you were in the seat? That's a good one. That is a good one. Ooh. I'd probably... Just I'd probably speak to, um, I had the opportunity to go to a workshop with him as well. But, uh, you know, Stephen Knight, who wrote Peaky Blinders. Now, I've never watched Peaky Blinders because everyone from Birmingham loves Peaky Blinders. And <laughs> so even my partner and I used to live in Norway and they used to say, oh, you're from Birmingham, Peaky Blinders. I'd like, listen, you're wasting your time. I'm not interested. I'm going to watch it one day. But when all the hype is passed, and when people stop dressing like people out of Peaky Blinders and pretending they're cool. So, uh, yeah, I'd say Stephen Knight, just because he's well-regarded. He's starting his own um, his own like uh, TV production studio in Digba Theatre, bringing a lot of TV film interest to the Midlands, which is obviously going to be massively beneficial for people like myself. And I'd just like to pick his brains a little bit. How did he start? Where's he going? You know, that kind of thing. I feel like he'd be uh, an achievable but also kind of high level interviewee, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. I mean, th th those sort of stories are the ones that, um, yeah, I could probably get him on here, to be honest. I I'll let you know if I get him on. Yeah, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> if I get him on, I'll get you on as well. We do we'll have all three of us on the screen and uh, you can ask him a few questions. Oh, then I'll have to watch Peaky Blinders before that interview, though. So maybe, maybe don't include me. Maybe don't include me. Don't worry, I still won't, so I'm just going to tell me all about it. <laughs> yeah, like you, I'm waiting for the, for the hype to die down. And um, it's there's 
there's certain things is me as a me as a viewer, me as somebody that watches um shows and films is sometimes um if it if something's got too much hype and I haven't started it from the beginning, um I'll tend to just go, oh, I, I don't know. Um and I'm gonna I'm gonna annoy a lot of people by saying this, and um, I use it as a good example. Is um, I watched Breaking Bad and didn't think it was all that. Oh, uh, you know, I mean, I strongly disagree with you there, but yeah, yeah, I know. I knew um, there are certain episodes where you're like, "What's going on here?" But I did catch it at the beginning, and it was at a point in my life where I was get really getting excited about long form TV. It was like the beginning of the golden age, like Game of Thrones, Breaking Bad, etc. Even though beforehand. I'd watch The Wire, which is still the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, Breaking Bad was like, yeah, top quality for me. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry to end the interview on a bad note. I know. Like I said, it's, it's because I didn't watch it from the beginning and I realised that. And this is, I, you know, I get people that say the same thing about Game of Thrones and I go, Game of Thrones seasons one to four was the best. What's wrong with you? You must go and watch it. And then I pretend that season eight didn't exist. I actually do um, that. Like I don't. It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It stops. It stopped at season six for me. To be perfectly fair, yeah. um, the greatest show. I read all the books as well, and it was like, oh my god, I can't believe this is living up to the books. And then season eight came along, and I was like, so what's going on here, man? How does none of this make sense anymore? <laughs> I'll send you something later, but um, yeah, I was so so disappointed. I was so so disappointed with it. But yeah, that's it. We're breaking bad. Like, don't get me wrong. Look, um, I like Brian Cranston. I like the other guy. Um, I enjoyed the show. I, I enjoyed the show. I think it was well written. I think it was well acted. I, I, I can't fault it. I just yeah. compared to the hype that I got from people that were like, "Oh, you haven't watched it. You haven't watched it." I, I it was a bit flat for me. Um, whereas, um, whereas I watched Game of Thrones from the very beginning. So from that very first episode and. Um, it got me enough to go, oh, yeah, this is interesting. Uh, and I'm not usually like a, a fantasy sort of television watcher, but it it, it it got me. It got me very, very interested. And um, you get to, I'm not going to give any spoilers away here, but you get to um, episode eight of season one and you just go, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't do that. The show's over. You're referring to... So yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers, but you just go. The show's over. The show's yeah. over. Like it can't go any further than that. Yeah, and, and it does. And so much more to come. <laughs> <laughs> Might rewatch it now. To be fair, you get me excited about Game of Thrones. Still see. Stop. Stop at season six. Uh, you guys see season seven out of push as well, but you know, definitely stop at about season six. And uh, you know, I, I could watch season one over and over and over again. It's that yeah, good. Yeah. For sure, man. For uh, sure. But James, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Um, I would love to get you back on at some point in the future. And um, you can talk to me about how you've gone from runner to to writer. Um, I think you're going to skip the old, old researcher part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if I can, I will. And uh, thank you very much for having me on. And thank you for your patience. We had a, a string of, like, you know, first of all, it was my lack of organisation. Then my internet sabotaging the interview. So yeah, thank you for your patience and thank you so much. No, for really like I said, it. like I said, it, it, it happens. It's you know, I was going to be late because I was running late, um, finished work late, and everything else. And then uh, when you said that you're late, I was like, okay, phew, that's that's all right. And and then yeah, like I said, 
technical difficulties are technical difficulties, all part and parcel of the uh, of the of the show. So um, we got it, we done it, and uh, thank you very much. He's been James Allen. I'm pointing that way; it makes no sense. He's been James <laughs> Allen. They call me Stepney, and um, this is behind the scenes. Yeah.